Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Diamond Styles, and I am the master chef, cooking you up something succulent and divine. It's your boy, Zaheer, and we are serving hot talk and cool iced tea. And I'm Mia Mix, here to set the tone and make sure the mood is right. So come on in and get comfortable. Pull up a chair, have a seat. You can even take your shoes off. Wait, not if your feet is down. <laughs> oh, hell no. Welcome, Welcome to Marsha's Plate. The time has come for you to be the change you want them to be, yeah. No more running around filled with all hypocrisy, yeah. It starts from the inside, it spreads wide, and everything will be all right. Just know that it will be all right. It will be all right. It will be all right. Join the conversation. Hashtag Marsha's Plate. Oh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We want to hear what you guys have to say. You can also help us build community by becoming a patron on patreon.com slash Marsha's Plate. By contributing to this podcast, you help us continue our powerful work to change culture one episode at a time. So, let's get started. All righty. Hey, what's up, y'all? I have Nala Simone. Do you want me to say your last name? Yeah. What's your last name? Toussaint. Try to say it, Toussaint. Like, Toussaint. Oh, like it's French, Haiti Toussaint. Revolt. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I'm talking about. Um, Nala Toussaint. <laughs> As it should be. I live for that day. Yeah. So we have Nala Toussaint. Tell me, why is that name special to you? Well, uh, so that's so that's a great question. So I love when people say Nala Simone Toussaint. Toussaint I kept because it Toussaint was my father's last name. Um and so when choosing like my my now name, like who mm. I feel I am. Your firm I, name. I wanted to keep that name because back then I was like, I want to do something great with this name. And also reading, I'm like, I love history. So Toussaint Overture, I'm like, oh, that's a good last name to yeah. have. Like Toussaint, like I I want to know what my lineage is, like what's yeah. connected to that last name. Yeah. You know? like I, I come from a Caribbean family and everybody will always say like, are you Haitian? Like uh-huh. they, they will always say, are you Haitian? Because a lot of, a lot of uh, Haitian have Toussaint. Yeah, or Toussaint Pierre or something like that, and so I was like, one of so for uh, for the listeners who don't know, one of the leaders of the Haitian Revolt, where one of the only slave revolts that actually worked. One of the reasons why Haiti is so. systematically oppressed is because of revenge mm. because they actually won because they, won. they actually took over and said fuck the shit and you know the consequences is the US putting up embargoes yep. really affecting their economy and you can see the big difference in regards to like Dominican Republic and the anti-blackness when it comes to Haiti and yeah. all of that kind of stuff so this Toussaint was one of the leaders who you know, led the rebellion. Yeah. Along yeah. with the women. 
exactly and so for me yeah it was like I'm I'm keeping the last name I want to do something great with it I want to make sure it's still a part of who I am everything Mm -hmm. about my name means something it just wasn't like oh this is a cute name you know like you know Nala means beloved of God a lot of people don't know that like that's Mm -hmm. what the name means beloved of God and it's very connected to how my mom saw me you know while giving birth like my name before was beloved of God and Mm -hmm. so I chose to find a name that had the meaning but in an African um, right context yeah meaning and so I was like Nala and my mom was like yeah that's it like <laughs> yeah my mom you know my mom had a little uh, uh, you know had a big role in helping me uh, pick the name because I was going to come up with Diana <laughs> not Diana <laughs> exactly what she said not Diana <laughs> I was like Diana it was just all all kinds of she was like no it just don't feel right uh, that is auntie <laughs> <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> so it sounds like your mom, it, you know, has been a big supporter of yours. Can you yeah. can you talk about um, you all's relationship growing up? Oh, that's so interesting. My mom, I would say my mom was a single parent mother navigating the struggles of being an immigrant in this country because my mom, my mom is from Jamaica and my father's from Trinidad. And so I think. I, oh, where are you from? What city you from? Yeah. Oh, so I live in Brooklyn. Uh, born and raised in Brooklyn. Now, uh, in the house. I grew up in Bushwick. Like where I live, people don't understand. Like if you went this way, you were in Bedside. If you went this way, you were in Redwood, Queens. Mm-hmm. So like I lived like right in that area. That like, if you went left, you were this way. <laughs> right, you was in it is dope. Um, but yeah, what was the question? So she was growing up in Brooklyn, apparently. Yeah. So she came. So like. My family initially how migrating is like I think uh, one of my uncle Leslie was one of the first person to get because this is before planes were were ever flying directly from Jamaica so they came by ship right yeah so um, I think my uncle came up here and started and then after that my I get I think my grand uncle then after that they sent for my like other folks and so how my family dispersed from particularly on my mother's side my maternal side is that. Some folks went to America. Some per- went to England, and so mm. that's where we 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 are. Like that's a lot of Jamaican yeah. heritage. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty typical. Yeah. My mom always talk about stories about knowing Bob Marley, like because it's like his country. So like you, <laughs> walking, you know, walk with no shoes and stuff, and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So what were some of her um, struggles as you when you were a child? Navigating when she she told me navigating um particularly being here is when she was actually experienced racism cuz mm. like just like she never had heard the word nigger. Right. <laughs> you know. And so she she said coming she was like that was the first time she experienced racism like that. She was like she knew about racism particularly because you know they would uh protest like uh no uh what I forgot what brand it is but during the apartheid of South Africa she would uh support by protesting. Like the country Jamaica would support by not buying certain uh cookies or things like that. I forgot what mm. it's called some of the end Nor Norisco or something like Mm. something like that. Yeah, because they were actually Nabisco. uh, Yes. Okay. 
Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Yeah, so she said she did, that was some of the struggle. I think also struggle because it wasn't a language thing. Uh, folks don't realize that, you know, Patois is a dialect. It's like a mixture of Dutch, German, Spanish. Mm-hmm. So, like, we're speaking it. Like, people like it's a language. Like, no, we're speaking English. And it's not broken up English. It's just a mixture of stuff. It's almost like how y'all Southerners got that twang. Right. Yeah, so that's all it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So... In in growing up, tell me when did you start to feel, you know, like when did your transit start to blossom? Oh, that's great. That's a good. That's good. I'm like thinking, like, when did I? I always knew. Because sometimes, as as we grow up, we don't have the language. Yeah, that's to talk about it. That's what it was. I didn't have the language. I knew how I was feeling. Yeah. So tell me about when did that feeling start to blossom that there was something that was was different. I still have this picture to this day. I wish I could show, like, find it because I I still remember this picture in my head. We went to the zoo. In uh, Manhattan too And I had got my face painted And I felt like The most prettiest thing ever (laughs) Just to have my face painted And so when we got home I had my t- I put on a t-shirt on I was like And it was one of those Big oversized t-shirts right. like, like a dress I was like Ooh mom can you take a picture Of me now And I had did the Hey girl pose Kind of like mm-hmm. <laughs> And I felt so Good I felt so affirmed mm-hmm. I remember that moment And then After that Remembering but I know the world wants to recognize and see me this way. Right. Okay. Right. Like, how do you reconcile that? Ah, oh, that I don't. Know. And you have a Jamaican mother, so yeah. the Jamaican are notorious in the mm-hmm. you know the stereotype the anti- of them. Yeah. Da, 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 da. It doesn't seem like your mother was on that. She, you know, my mom was very smart. Mm-hmm. My mom was very smart. My mom, but my thing is that my mom. My mom wasn't a person to ask questions, like to push a probe. She was one of those people, I trust your process. And so wherever you land, I catch you. Okay. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so that was her thing. And her thing was like, I want you to tell me. Mm -hmm. I want you to communicate if something's bad. Like one of her thing was focusing on more so of not creating traumas. Because like, so making sure if someone touched you, like she, her focus was making sure that because she's a Leo she was like I'm gonna protect my cubs like that's how she moved right and so every conversation was like how was school anybody bother you do I need to come up there it's like that that's how my mom was yeah like that was that was her thing was like are you good Mm. and so that gives you a a layer of um, I always think about Mm -hmm. um, Dr. Joy the lady who wrote um, Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome yes so Dr. Joy LaGroix I think so um, she tells a story about how like you see a black mother and a white mother in a bank with their kids Mm. the black mother is like "Mm -mm, stay right here don't move you better not move sit right there and controlling them in a certain way to protect them and a white mother is just letting her children just kind of roam free and letting you be free and protect my mother was a protect she was she was like don't move Mm, yeah I kid you not before we went to the doctor we would have like a five minute sit down call (laughs) before we went to the doctor of how the day was gonna look right she was she would be like all right so now we're about to leave this house (laughs) when you get on the bus don't be acting crazy don't be making noise don't be running up and down i don't have time for that 
<laughs> I'm going to go to my doctor over here. And then we're going to your doctor. When you get in the doctor's office, make sure you don't act a certain way. Because I don't want to have to clap you in front of the people, them. And so, so there, right. there, would, there would be like a whole, like, I don't want to get popped by my mom. So yeah. it's like, it just wasn't a thing. It's just like, I'm only have to tell you something once, right? Mm-hmm. One time, and that's it. And every time we would go out, we, it was like my mom would get complimented. Your kids are so good. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, they're so good. They're quiet and they listen. And she'd be looking at them like, oh, because y'all be letting your child do whatever y'all want to know. Mm-hmm. But I, I recognize how, although I felt liberated with my mother, how unliberated I really was. I didn't understand the concept like I knew racism exists I knew my mom was navigating this country but I didn't understand like what was the restriction you didn't see the systems yet yes they it was like it didn't it didn't start unfolding for me until college when mm. I stepped into like when I said yes to the like being when I had the language of transness mm. it was like I woke up to race and trans together similarly okay yeah because although I went, because so I so how were you doing? How were you exploring? How were you exploring that tension before college? So let's say for me, it wasn't because I lived in. I, I feel like Brooklyn. I was in the hood. Like mm-hmm. I, I wasn't the minority. I was, mm-hmm. a, I was not the, race in in regards to transness. Ah, in regards to transness, I felt like I didn't know I was trans mm-hmm. because the language wasn't available, and 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 particularly because people were telling me who I was. You know, like, because I was feminine, I had the sachet in my hips, I would walk, I would talk, but I didn't realize I was doing something that was wrong compared to what we socialized Boy, I didn't realize I was just totally being. Right. It wasn't that I was picking it up from my mom or my dad wasn't around because I would spend time with my father and go back. It wasn't that it was just was in my essence. It was Mm -hmm. in my being. It was like, who you, how you see me now is how I was like talking. But then they would dress me up with like boy clothes, so it was like right. folks was like, Mm-mm. like all the girls would be like, "You got pretty toes." Oh my god, your feet look so nice. <laughs> like it would always be like a, a thing about my feet and how my skin was pretty and all of that stuff. Like how my la- eyelashes was long. Mm-hmm. There was always something that was like folks would like be drawn to focusing on me, and I'm like, why is this such an important thing? Mm. Like I didn't understand like why was it but particularly it's because they groom boys not to have that things and to be feminine and to walk a certain way and so it was very interesting um it it was interesting for me um who's the first trans person that you met that you saw it wasn't until college period like in life like face to face and i Uh, remember even on tv oh oh, yeah i I mean jerry springer yeah Oh, this is the thing about um, media and visibility because mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to be that. I was like, no, that's not me. Mm. It puts a shame to it. It puts a shame. I was like, no, that's not me. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Was it? Was it? Was it because people? The response people were having to it those? was. Like, I just didn't feel connected. It was like oh. that's not. That was like that. No, no, something don't. But I was like, I know I like guys. I was clear mm. so I was clear more about what I like versus who I was. Gotcha. Okay. That's how it things molded for me. It was like 
I'm attracted to masculine energy and that sometimes showed up in boys and sometimes it showed up in the Tom girls that, mm-hmm. was, that I actually end up befriending. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and so I knew what I, I was drawn to in terms of an attraction. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing for me during those times was that people because of my femininity and femininity being in a vessel of what folks communicated to be groomed a certain way and are supposed to be molded and conditioned to be men or or boys that's raising boys to be men right conditioning that is that folks will often say oh you're gay so folks were telling me who i was and what i was like to before like who i was supposed to like before i actually had an idea what i liked Gotcha. So, and that that's even like, so like you're telling me I'm gay and I'm supposed to like boys, but you liked it a variety of, yeah, you know, yeah. So, like, in like first grade, I remember having a connection with the young, like, I was like, oh, he's, a, he's, he's like, oh, I felt a connection. I was like, oh, he's, this is first grade, mind you. <laughs> and all I just was like, I want to give him a kiss. I want to have a kiss, but I felt like I already knew that it was wrong. Gotcha. Something about it felt wrong. Right. Because I was like, the world's going to say something wrong. Like, I can't go home and be like, Mom, I found somebody that I really like. And just something wasn't wrong. And it was, and it felt like it was wrong because of what we were watching on television at the time. Right. Like, thinking about the Will and Grace shows and how, Mm -hmm. like, thinking about shows like that that didn't show that. I already assumed because it's not shown or not seen, something's wrong. The world doesn't want that to be seen. The world doesn't Mm -hmm. want that. Yeah. yeah. So when did that identity come? The identity came for me. I remember inviting folks in to thinking I was gay because I'm like everyone done told me now I'm 17. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, I like mom, I have to tell you something. I like boys. How do you feel? Will you accept me? And she's like, you only got one life to live. You gotta live it your way. I would prefer you to be straight, but listen, I'm your mom. I'm not going away. I love you. I figured something was wrong or something. Not something was wrong, but I figured, I figured something was up because of how you were pulling and retreating and going in a state of depression. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom around mental health was very aware because she was already seeing a therapist. Gotcha. Right. And so she was aware of like my body. She was aware of her body, sometimes her body, but more so how her kids are. Mm -hmm. Like you don't seem happy. Like there's not an aura around you of joy. What's going on? Mm. You know? And so 17, why are you 17? Particularly because that's literally the year before I go into college. Because I go to college next year. I went to college the next year at 18. Um, and I went to fashion design school. So this is during the time of I went to performing art school. I'm using my creativity to kind of communicate who I was. Gotcha. So I'm dan- in dance class. I went from playing the instrument marching band. And listen, I love a marching band. Mm-hmm. But while I was playing the clarinet, I definitely was learning the eight counts of the majorettes in front of me. Okay? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I would learn that. What is a stack? <laughs> Yeah. So like, af- so like, I would sneak after school when some of the girls were rehearsing. I would rehearse with them because, like, oh no, that's not what she taught. She taught this. They was like, how you know? Because I was watching every move <laughs> while playing my instrument. You know, because I just felt I felt like I wanted to be in connected to dancing. So I had to beg the dance teacher, like, hey, can I do dance as an elective? Can you make it an elective? Mm. Because. 
I really wanted to dance, and my mom, my 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 dance, my my music teacher, uh, teacher who his name is uh, Michael Walker. He was actually a musician for the Cameos. Mm. Was like, why you want to go dance? Huh? Why you want go? Why you want go go do uh, uh, dance? Yeah, uh, <laughs> as long as you don't slack off in uh, music, because it was like jazz, uh, classic. Like this was music, 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 music. I was mm. like, I want just this one elective to come out of music and go into. Gotcha. Yeah, and that's why I was like, "Ooh!" And then I created a fashion show, and I had a step team. So everything that will, I, I felt like I could be free in and expressing my body movements mm-hmm. because I couldn't communicate with words, but I was finding a way how to communicate through movement. Gotcha. And I was writing at the time, so a lot of my diaries and poetries came out of feeling oppressed, but I needed to put it somewhere. Gotcha. I didn't have the language that it was trans. Mm-hmm. Like even trans, the word trans didn't exist because if, if I would ask my mom what I just recognize it, like some like there's something about seeing another trans sibling that you recognize energy and spirit without even having to say it. Yes, and so there were moments that I would see trans people, but I wouldn't know what to say, or how to navigate the conversations, or ask my mom because if I'm like. I would be staring My mom was like What are you staring at I'm like no The person I already knew To say person mm-hmm. I'm like they're, they're beautiful I would mm-hmm. just say They're beautiful And she's like Yeah uh, She would always say Yeah Because God loves All children And make us all different Like that mm-hmm. we'll, we'll make uh, We'll say it in response. Come on mama Like right So she She kind of had a way Of being that was Like affirming So going back To the question In, in, in college I was registering because at Fashion Design Institute, like when you start, you got to go to like London Sewing Lab and all this. I'm in the sewing lab and I see this tall chocolate woman. I'm like, she's so gorgeous. But there was something about her spirit and her essence that I, like, I'm like, there's something there that I know that I need. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at you because I feel something and I don't know how to explain it. And I kept staring at her and she looked at, She's like, girl, why you all up in my mug? What you staring at, baby? <laughs> why you all up in my mug? What are you staring at? And I was like, you just pretty. She said, okay, thank you. All right, what's your name? I told her my dead name at the time. And she was like, all right. And we became friends. Mm-hmm. Like every, and we would, I'm talking about FIT. Who was that? Uh, her name was Elsie. Okay. Um, and the thing is, I didn't know at the time that like I said I was drawn to her energy I recognized the energy I'm like she her all of that great stuff because it, it made yeah but I'm like there's something about her being that was the story is it, there's more to your story there's more to how you navigate this world there's more about your being because it's like you're free yet you're timid there's a nervousness mm. because it's, it's like I feel seen by for who I am, but yet I don't think the world will see me if they really want to. See. Like it's an energy that you can read someone's energy yeah. of being, and so there was one moment of there would like FIT would be open like eight a.m. to two a.m. in the morning because like if you watch Project Runway, it's literally like folks are sewing, doing <laughs> shit, right? Right, and so there was a moment where we had left the like around midnight to go get food to come back to finish sewing or the computer lab and there was this uh checkpoint with the uh security guard because it's after hours so now you have to actually physically bring your id 
to that. And so they had called her her dead name in front of me. Mm. And I was like, that's not, wait, who? And automatically it had hit. And she was like, that's not my name. You know better. And she was so frustrated and angry, like it had bothered her for that whole week and rightfully so, because it had invited me to, oh, she had transitioned in college. Right. So now she had to write a letter to the dean and trying to explain to the the little percent of black friends that we have, because there wasn't that much black people in FIT. But <laughs> the little folks, her, like her year was like explaining like why that was so bothersome for her. And I was like, oh, everything started making sense. Right. And I mean, from that day, she became like the closest friend. Like, we would J-set in the hallways. Um, and because she recognized like I love movement and dance and I was talking about marching match. She was like, you know how to, I'm going to give you an a cast. She was like, all right, come fine. Uh, uh, I be going. Uh, it's uh, funny how that came all the way up from the to the uh, door. Right? I was like, and, and we would just, we, you know, because I, I, so I always say like, folks, like you, you sometimes sound southerner. All my friends were from the south. Uh huh. I was in. I went to uh, music school, and the person who was leading like, was from the south. Mm. We were always on the bus for homecoming, homecomings, or for a game. So we were like Morgan State, HU. So I was always in that marching band, like just to march, because you know, you you know the parades before the actual game. So you got all the high schools. I was one of the high school, and then we were comp- we were also compete with Brooklyn Steppers. Right. So if you know about New York, the the known marching band in, in New York is the Brooklyn Steppers. Gotcha. So the high school I went to which is Dr. Susan S. McKinney High School Secondary School of the Arts was also a marching marching band Mm. and we will always be invited to every homecoming that existed Morgan State Delaware State and they will always be competing with either HU uh, FAMU all of those things so Mm. like I live for that because I'm like it just was black as fuck and I love it like every black person it's like you got like the cookout the food having black folks love up on each other and sound and game is like this is like a healing space yeah (laughs) i loved it i loved it and so being in a fit i felt like it wasn't as liberated this is when race is starting to show up for me because again Mm. i'm not in a school where all the people are people of color spanish i shouldn't say latinx folks black It's, it's not that right i'm with folks who are white, different religious faith. This is college. Mm, so yeah. you see, it's like a Much more expensive. Yeah. yeah. And so it's something that you could feel liberated in and also could be depressing because you go from feeling seen to like unseen. Gotcha. Right? It's, it's one of those shifts where you feel like, I didn't feel seen in school for my gender identity because I didn't have the language, but I was still seen as a person. Gotcha. And I have friends that wanted to uplift me. Then when I got here, I was like, oh, I can have gender expression, express who I want to be, but I'm still not seen because of my race. Mm. And I was like, this is a weird feeling. And I actually went in a state of depression um, where the, to the point that I was sleeping at school. I was never going actually home because I didn't do them. Um, and I also couldn't get the work done because it was so much. I was taking 11 classes. 11 classes a semester that's a lot mm-hmm. so you i have my core classes my science math english history and then fashion classes so you have your draping your sewing your merchandising so like a lot like it was just a lot 
and mm-hmm. I just was like I'm feeling something different with my body like I want to be somewhere but I don't know what it is and then seeing her I was like oh maybe that's it and I started having questions mm. and then by my sophomore year I was like yep I told her, I was like you know what I think what ended up happening this was what it is my mom was <laughs> like I didn't see you for a week are you hungry I'm like, yeah, she said, I cooked some curry curry, curry chicken and something else. And I was like, oh, I was like, oh, it would be so nice if you could bring down some food. And she was like, all right, well, me and your grandma is going somewhere. I'll bring you the food. So her and my grandmother came and I was like, oh, Elsie, can you come down and come see um, my, my mom? Mm-hmm. And my mom met Elsie. And then... Um, Right as soon as we got back up to the D lounge, because that's where we would like stay, because like again, it's after hours, so everything is closed. But the D lounge will always be open, right? And so I call my mom. I said, "I just let me know when you get home." Say, I was like, "You know my friend Elsie." She was like, "Yeah." Well, I was like, "I don't want to disclose too much, but you know, she's she is a trans woman because I knew the term because she had taught me that, mm-hmm. and I'm like that's how I feel." Mm. That, that that's all I can say is like that's how I feel. She said, "Oh, literally, this is her response on the phone." Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Because at seventeen, I had just so now this is like seventeen and two years later, nineteen. Mm-hmm. So it's like I so I just invited her into. What year was this? This was in 2000. So I graduated. So I came. I invited my mom coming out. 17 so that was 2007 i graduated okay. high school and went straight into college 2008 so this moment is 2010 gotcha and what was so helpful was that janet mock just did the thing mm-hmm. that it gets better oh okay so it, this is parallel to this now it's like oh so although it's like I, so my mom had an example of she was like wow she's beautiful I, of what I'm like yeah I, yeah I said you know because all we knew was Jerry Springer mm. right yeah I from my mom and my family we needed to recognize something of education because like my mom loves books she loves comic books she knew about trends and stuff like that so she had she knew because she were connected to the egyptian like my mom could tell you his, like how trans people existed before time mm. like she could <laughs> talk about that stuff uh, so she got it but for her not a but it was an end for her it's like i'm i'm envisioning now my child on a different journey from the journey that i saw right so it's like that reality like us gotcha. okay what well, wow okay she was like well like i told you you only have one life to live you gotta live it your way i was like well can you support me with telling my grandma and <laughs> because i don't want to have to do it i don't want to have to do it <laughs> i'm like can you can you support me with telling them because you know I, their I, their opinion matters she's like well what if they don't like it what if they don't agree with it you mm-hmm. will have like if you're gonna do this do it your way Go, this is this is your life. You can't live for them. Right. I said, okay, mom. And so after that, I went to the doctor. I told the doctor, like, listen, my mom, because you know, particularly when you go on this journey, you got to go see a psychiatrist and all of that. I ain't, I ain't do none of that. Because mm-hmm. I walked in there like, nope, I know who I am. I finally got the language. This is it. <laughs> I am here. Like, hey, I got my mom's support. <laughs> Let's go. 
God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yay, 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 yay. So, not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts, I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community and I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here so you're not only helping to sustain us you're helping to sustain other people in a community because I put my money where my mouth is you know that's just the kind of bitch I am community is fuck (laughs) so thank you I really really appreciate you and if you have not become a patron why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? <laughs> All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. I will say this in truth and honesty, and I think this is the healing um, journey that I have been. I think my mom's verbal support showed up differently as we were, as I started physically changing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right. There was a lot of hurtful moments that were like communicated, and hurtful moments with family. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. There. You know. Even still today, I feel like. I sometimes think the thought in my head, like, had I had not transitioned, would they show up differently? Mm-hmm. Right? To compare to the the other the the women in my family, how they hold space on check ins and stuff like that, or even like how they would check in with the male folks. Like, do you need anything? Are you good? I feel like I get a lot of my love right now. I get love from my mom, but particularly my grandmother. My grandmother holds space for like she always is calling, just to make sure I'm okay. Gotcha. Intentionally. Mm. And I you think it, it lessened after you transitioned? I, it less. No, it, I'm saying that now my grandmother mm-hmm. does that a lot. Okay. In the beginning while I was transitioning, I feel like mm. they were they were also transitioning. They were figuring like, how do we move with this? Mm, okay. And I felt like they were trying to shelter me as well while navigating their uncomfortability because it's like, this is new. This is not what we learn in Jamaica. Like, this is like, this is a lot. You know, it's a lot, but it's not a lot because you are family. Right. And so there were moments where they would invite me to, like, for example, holidays to come upstairs. I would feel nervous to come upstairs to, like, eat and break bread because I felt uncomfortable. Because for me, I'm an empath. So if I feel it, although it's not said I feel it, I'm not going to be like, Mm-mm, I can't be. Like, I would prefer someone to say, hey, I'm uncomfortable with this. I'm learning how to navigate this. But it was the unspoken thing that made me uncomfortable. Mm. Everybody's pretending that they're okay and they weren't okay. Mm. Like okay. we all love you. You got our you have our support. It's like, no, that's not what I'm feeling. <laughs> that's not the vibe I'm that's getting. That's not the vibe I'm getting. Right. Cause I'm also recognizing, like, for example, if I would leave for work, the one time my aunt and my uncle had come up to visit and I left and I had one ahead of them. And then my mom told me, yeah, Uncle Uncle Patrick was like, oh, there's no one no one would know. She's beautiful. So let me get this right. You saw me walking and you didn't uh, come catch up with me. <laughs> you just let me walk by myself. You know, so I, I, you know, it's moments like that when I think about like folks were navigating it the way, like now it's like, 
they see me they see this where i speak and stuff like that and like oh she's doing i think folks assume that i'm doing okay because of how i present and show stuff online Check on your people. Check on your people. You gotta check on you your people just because you feel strong, just because they look strong, just because they, right. you know, are navigating a certain way and they know how to keep their composure. Doesn't mean you not to check on them. I know how to keep my composure. Yeah, it's, same. It's, it's 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 taught. Yeah, it's a survival thing, right? I Especially think coming from a family of immigrants. Yeah, Duh. right. I, <laughs> right. We keep it together. You yeah, know? but shit, not just immigrant black, black folks. folks. <laughs> Maya Angelou poem Mask when she talks mm-hmm. about the smile and she's, yeah. she's reading the poem and smiling and crying at the same right. time yeah. that is one of the poems that when I say bright vibrates a vibration inside my body yeah. that rings truth it's like literally smiling and crying at the same time yeah. I find myself particularly in this now moment 2019 where I felt like all my edges was like snatched by the year of like our climate the strides we made the the strides we have to keep making um like my father passing away in July and it bring up a lot of a lot of emotions for me because it's particularly your parents are your first relationship to love right and so experiencing my father in a way where it was I needed him to show up more and if you said X do X right and so particularly his passing was because I was clear that I was going to get to a place of healing with him while he was here Mm. I was a stance for him and I are going to sit down one day and break bread and sit down and talk about the, the dynamic of our relationship what I had expected and hearing what his capacity was right what access he had in navigating the world how you know lack thereof or the support that he has a man the wrongdoings that he ended up doing like really had like I had envisioned it like I seen it and then 2017 I would never forget I hadn't had because the truth is before my father passed away my, 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 my father and I hadn't talked for 17 years I mean oh, wow. 14 years mm. so it was like at the age of 17 when I came out I never came out to him. Didn't tell him. Because I hadn't talked. We 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 had talked, but I hadn't physically seen him since middle school when I got gotcha. to Okay. And as I got older, I was like, oh, he just shows up when he feels necessary or when he can. And he said he's going to show up and he doesn't. And I just got tired of being standing up. I got mm. tired of being tired of expecting. His yeah, disappointed. Be, yeah, just like disappointed. So yeah. I was like, oh, okay. But the thing is, I, I just, I always love him. If, if I talk about my dad, like, I just love. Yeah. It's like trauma, like kind of shit. Like, I love my dad was amazing. You know, he, he was a great guy. You know, I love him because I remember the moments that I did. I was so appreciative of the crumbs. Right, I know. Exactly, that it was like, exactly, oh, exactly when you exactly. when I got him, I was like, oh my god, this was so great. Yeah. But little did I know, the back behind my mom was struggling to me and me trying to feed not just me but my brother, not working, being a full time mom, struggling and navigating her mental capacity, right, and her traumas that she experienced as a child, right, and how that impacts her navigating the world. You know, and and having to see a therapist and making sure that she stays on this regimen to make sure that the world sees 
well, the the clinical world sees my mom as fit to be my mom. Right. You know, my mom, it is a moment of epilepsy when she come, like, there's a moment of her trauma, like, flashes and can bring epilepsy from trauma of being beaten and all this mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I don't want to tell her story because it's her story. Right. Right. Yeah. But a lot of, I recognize a lot of my upbringing and why my mom was such a lead on protection because of her hurt and her pain. Mm. I would never forget this moment when I was seven and I was, I experienced molestation and I was like, no, it didn't happen. Someone had seen it. Someone went to my mom and told her. But I was so afraid because I knew there was something inside my mom that had experienced it. I was like, I don't want to tell her this because I know she's going to snap. And I don't want my mom to go to jail. And so this moment, she's she's like, the lady next door came out. This is Mr. Brown. Came out, told my mom that, you know, so-and-so-and-so was touching on your child. And I was clear, this 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 person, you know, also had autism. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I think they, we were all playing hide and go seek, and something happened in the moment. And then, my when my mom find out because this woman went and go to say that this is what happened, my mom drags me to the house of that house, and now everybody's gathered around. The whole block is like, what is happening? Because my mom is on a hundred and. 25% <laughs> times the square root of like, <laughs> like she is a Caribbean and like my mom didn't like the fact that I was lying to her it was like no he didn't touch me no that's not what happened like she was like you lie so she was whooping me mm. for lying I was the most tra- traumatic experience I have experienced because at this time I also was just beaten in the summer by my dad Mm-hmm. For an instance of what had happened, the girl, the girl that he was dating at the time, we had went shopping and the bubbleish. You know how you go in the line; the lines are t- uh, tight. So she knocked over a gum, and the gum fell. And I thought it was her, and I was like, "Hey, is this yours? This is your." And she answers. So I said, "Pay it." I'm I'm walking out with the bubbleishes. And I started, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I transitioned to another situation. No, 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 no. My nickname when I was little was Bubblicious, Bubblicious <laughs> because I would in that moment when I'm when I'm every time my aunt have a great aunt that would pick me that would take me to store with her. She was a drug addict. She used to be like this popular madam. Used to be rich. Wow. And she just had she had massage parlors all over our city. But at this time when I was growing up, she had got on heroin and she she was in her down down her, her yeah. down stage. And she would take me to the store. She would take me with her to places because she would lie and say that I was her child so that she can get money out of people. Mm. And so when she would take me into the store and we would walk through an aisle, I would always take a pack of Bubblicious out of the out of from the aisle and and we would come out the store and she was like every time you would have it and I would feel like they gonna try to get me for stealing but you was a child and nobody would pay attention with this story is like Mm -hmm. when we walked out we're in the car and everybody knows when you chew Bubblicious you Mm -hmm. smell it yes (laughs) (laughs) so we're in the car and they're like what's that fruity smell I'm smacking slow. No, I'm like. It's like you chewing gum. Can I have gum? Who got gum? Not like, you know, dead name. You chewing, you, you, you got gum. Mm-mm. 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 And so she ended up telling my father about the situation. And so it became Nala stole a pack of gum out of the store. 
my father was in uh, construction so we were at his site at the time and then when we got back to his house the next day you know I, I had to tell my mom that I had stole the gum and then the next day this is Memorial Weekend I remember this like yesterday it was a Sunday mm-hmm. before the Monday and they had called me uh, to come in the shed that he had and he was mm-hmm. sitting there so you like to you like to steal things huh and before I know it, it was like whap slap slap and so in the shed there's like these concrete columns that they had built and so I'm being slapped and my head is hitting it slap I went to a state of shock that all I did was count so each time I got slapped I counted mm. I got slapped 31 times mm. and then after that he was gonna reach for a machete to chop off my ears. Um, my father also drunk. Mm. All right. So my uncle Peter went and and kind of like, like you can't do this. Like you gotta get control. So you're about to chop off your child's ear with a machete. You're going too far now. And yeah. so Gail had took because um, this is the woman he's dating in town. Had took me downstairs and she you could see tears in her eyes. She was like, wow. I cannot believe this. She's like, I'm so sorry. I did not know he was going to beat you like this. Mm. To the point that my face had swelled up, beyond, like swelled up. And so the Memorial the memorial Day, he, he apologized. And I was, I'm such a forgiving person. I'm a loving person. I was like, it's okay, dad. Because I hadn't had seen my face. Because if you notice the bathroom and the mirrors, they're always high. So I didn't see my face. I would have to stand on a stool, which he didn't have, to actually see my face in the mirror. Mm. So I, I think about that moment, like, oh, I, now I can understand, like, the moment, like, why she was crying, because she could see, like, wow. And she also probably was experiencing some form of abuse, right? Of course. Um, that didn't just come out of the blue. Right. <laughs> oh, right. no, pack oh, of gum. Oh. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And so when that Monday the barbecue happened, Tuesday I ended up going back uh, back home because that was when summer school was going to start. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, was it was it Memorial? What's in the summer? Was it Fourth of July? It's Fourth of July. Yeah, yeah. So school summer school was going to start the sixth. Um, I got home, driven home at night. And then the morning, I said, Mom, all right, we're going to school. I said, Mom, can you look at my face? It's a red. And my mom was like, oh, my God, what happened to Because my mom was in her state of depression as well. Mm-hmm. That she was not like a witch. She was looking like it was like, all right, you're home. I'm tired of that bastard. Like it was more so like her hurt for their how their love ended. Gotcha. So all of that was mixed up into no one is realizing that, oh, this child has just experienced something traumatic. Mm -hmm. What do we do? And it just so happened to wake up minutes before you were about to walk me to school. And the concern was like, they're going to call ACS on my ass. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My mom was like, you slap my child. Like the face is red. It's, it's like everything is swollen like on her like like on the face like what why would you hit your child like this and I got to school she had to tell the teacher what happened and and just was honest and she, she was really distraught and so my relationship from I'm particularly sharing this story because my relationship with him was that I got scared I was scared of him mm. right 
And so I always had that moment of feeling he was bigger and I was smaller. Mm-hmm. Although my, my dad is like five, six. <laughs> In my head, it was so traumatic. Like every time I would be afraid to physically see him because I'm like, he's abusive. He would kill. And he would tell my mom, like if I had any child that was gay, I would kill him. Gosh. Straight like that. Mm. And, and that was through my mom's words. Mm. And so 17 of inviting my mom in, I, I couldn't tell. There was no way of telling him. And so that moment I chose to, I'm just going to let the relationship die off of how, how, as how he's been showing up. I would allow this relationship to die off the way he has been showing up. Mm-hmm. So around 17, I'm also in my rebellious stage, right? Where I'm out late and I'm going down to the village Christopher Street and not telling my mom and I'm hanging around with this Tom girl slash AG girl who's bisexual her mom is cool they're Caribbean they're from Panama and I'm like wow I need my mom to be dope like this you know what I mean and I was finding <laughs> liberation and joy in being seen by a mom and holding space and seeing how the mom holds space for her right and I was like, that's what I wanted to experience. And so my mom would call her and cuss her, like, what type of parent will allow somebody else's kid to come over there and spend time? But the mom knew is that I would tell her that I felt safe with her mm. and that I felt seen. And so she would allow me to sleep over and stuff like mm, that. God. I was a straight A student. So my mom couldn't, it's like, it was the fact that my mom didn't have access to me. Right. Right. And there, there comes a jealousy in that yeah. too. Yeah. 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 So, how did your work start? Like, how did your, you know, once you transitioned and you start to see the world with a tr- from a trans lens, mm-hmm. how did your work start? So, it's so interesting because everything is like parallel. It's like boom, like that parallel, like everything is like a domino effect, right? Mm-hmm. So, I tell my mom about, you know, I'm ready to start this tri- this journey in 2010, um, that 2011 like this is literally like cold like we're so we're literally entering 2011 I'm on HRT and then I graduate 2012 and then I'm while I'm transitioning I'm in my my stage of working I'm being discriminated I'm getting depressed because I'm like fashion design working with some Prevera way it's just it's just a lot happening where I'm, I'm making only 77 $72 every two weeks, mm. which is like car fare in New York. Well, like, like, right. that's a week, like that's a two weeks metro car. So I was like, how am I eating, right? Um, Islan Nettles getting murdered in August. Mm-hmm. Literally, I felt like her, her death, because Islan Nettles and I will go to the same support groups. And I feel like her, her murder just was like, oh, Mm. this is not about it being down south anymore because I, I thought it was like oh it's like it only happens down south or it only happens in other areas I felt like New York was so far like like so progressive so uh, you know uh, it's so multicultural it's so you know th- 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 people it just has that stereotype that yeah. oh you can just go to New York and be yourself and you ain't you ain't gonna have any problems yeah but you know, just me knowing the world, I knew that was true. For me, I could navigate the cat calls. I could navigate because I was navigating the word faggot and all of those stuff yeah. for, a long, for a very long time. So for me, it's like hearing it was like, all right, just as long as you don't run up, because if you run up, we gonna have some yeah. problems. So for me, it was like I could navigate that. But like then learning, like wow, the person that I would sit across from in a group 
Mm. where in her most vulnerable and safest stage Mm -hmm. for two hours to be able to share was murdered for being catcall this is serious Yes, yeah, so if you if you're a listener and this is your first time listening, Isla Nettles is a trans woman who was walking down the street in Harlem and she was catcalled by a group of guys and in that moment um she told her team. Mm-hmm. And thinking like everybody says, you know, if you just be up honest up front, um, you know, people won't bother you. You just need to be honest up front. And so here this trans woman is being honest up front. And well, the thing about the story is that there's so many stories around that particular story mm-hmm. that the reality, I think, is that they went to school or something together. Like they had been already Facebook friends and they had already knew the T. Wow. I didn't know that part. Yeah. Because so that's not what he was selling in the courtroom. Of, of course, course not. Because it was sh- it was like, let's, because the, 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 I feel, feel like the jury was taking the panic defense. Of course, yeah. Right. Yeah, that's like, a, this is what know. it is. I didn't know. Even though I, ba- really, it was about me being embarrassed in front of my friends. Because I had hit on her. Right. Right. That's exactly what it that's was. That's what it was. And so, in the courtroom, blah, 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 blah. So, I think what the lesson for me with Islam is honesty is not a bulletproof vest. No. Honesty does not save you no. from transphobia. Mm-hmm. It does not save you from homophobia. It does not save you from racism. It does not save you from any damn thing. Mm-hmm. And so you still out here in this world have to be careful when you, people, if you don't owe people any fucking thing. Right. If you right. don't feel safe, if you're not in a safe space, you don't need to say anything right. at all. What? So so what ended up happening? Ooh, I can't say too much online around that topic, but what ended up happening? Um, because she was with two other girls, right? Mm-hmm. So the girls, the girls were walking, um, and the guys, from what was communicated, you know, I still have to hold um, confidentiality, right? Because again, one of the girls who were with her was in the group with us. Cause they were like they were like ride or die like they were out yeah. chicks right and I wouldn't I, I use ride or die uh, loosely I'll, t- I'll, I'll take that back they were friends navigating on this journey as well right and so from from what I was told from you know the one of the girls that was there was that it was a moment where they were walking and you know the guys was like you know cat calling or whatever case may be and. Then they would they realized who it was. They was like, oh, that's so and so and so. And then they then they started going to slurs. Gotcha. And so, while the girl who was telling me the story was like, I was telling her, let's go, like, like let's pay it, leave it alone, let's pay. She was like, fuck that, I had enough. Mm. And so she woke up, and they're exchanging words, they're arguing, whatever the case may be, and then they start scrapping one on one, and. She's winning. Mm. Right. She's winning. The girls is making sure nobody jumps in. And then one punch catches her and she hits her head on the concrete. Mm. And then that's when he gets on top and he's still hitting. And then now the girls are jumping in and like pushing him off. And this is right in front of a police station, mind you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so... um as the story is told a lot of different ways um but i was like the the girls who are there particularly don't tend to 
want to tell the story because they are afraid. Mm-hmm. They're afraid, and rightfully so, right? Because you have one person murdered, and these guys who were there that live, they one of them finally got to jail. And the story was that the brothers tried to go in for the the actual person who did it, because his brother was there. Mm-hmm. So the case was the case was it took a while because the brother the one the brother who was standing to the side was mm-hmm. went and said I did it. I was the one the that fought. Yeah, yeah, I was the one that and it was fighting her and mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And then when the stuff started unfolding, it was like, no, something's off. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So that's what started your work. That's what started my work because at the time I had to reach out to Janet, right? Because that's all I knew. Because seeing that it gets better, right? I I knew about Jasmine Bo- Bo- Bonet and the the you know the 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 women lit, uh, pantomiming I, I knew but I'm like they weren't they didn't have access to them right and I, I reached out to Jen I was like hey you don't know me I've watched your it gets better video um, the person who was murdered was my friend I would like I, I don't know what to do is there anything I could do like you know she was like oh well there's a visual being held and stuff like that and so I went to visual I met her and out of that she was like, oh, there's going to be a meeting. In that meeting, 13 women were in the room. I still have this picture to today. 13 women were in the room. And out of that came the Trans Women Color, Color Collective, mm. which is T-Walk, as we know. Right. And in that space, it was... Um, Ashley Lord um, Hunter. Dr. Ashley Lord Hunter was in the space. So it, it, it was founded at that moment, right? Because in mm-hmm. that space was... Uh, Lord Ashley Hunter, Laverne Cox, Janet Ma, Coco Ma, uh, Coco the musician, mm-hmm. um, Coco Jones the musician. There's um, Danielle Carter. There's Kiara St. James. There's Madison. There's Octavia. Like literally with uh, Katrina. There was like 13 women in this space, and we took a picture that day because it was like this something's gonna happen and from then the uh, the next month we were invited to come down to Boston we all got on the bus some of us got on the bus to speak and we would constantly meet about like how are we gonna address this gotcha and then two years later I was like okay I'm enjoying this color collective and there's certain ways I I wanna move as an individual and how I believe to communicate gotcha right because now I'm stepping also to my spiritual path as well Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's what got me into the work. I think out of casualty came a need of feeling urgent to protect myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, tell me, what accomplishments are you proud of thus far in your life? Oh, that's great question. What accomplishments are you proud of most? Hmm. Having my own apartment. <laughs> yes, the shelter is amazing. <laughs> yes, that is so. Like I, you know, <laughs> the gratitude that I have, the the ability to be able to be in my own space. Yes, that's like while being a black trans woman is the most real. Like when I walk in, I'm like, ah, this is my space. Biggest accomplishment, like biggest, like. Mm-hmm. Folks wouldn't recognize that as big, but it's so big. So, I mean, I'm talking about, I, I remember like. 
me and my mom struggling to eat or just like just knowing like as a trans person just thinking the idea of like having to like think of just sex work and how it's gonna make but to be able to be able to have a a, a house mm-hmm. where i can create healing for myself right an apartment i should say i'm like all right big mm. because with that i can recharge and then go back in the world to do the work that i'm doing Mm. So who over the years have been your like your trans woman heroes? Oh, like, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I tell you this all the time. You were the first you were before there was John and Mock. There was you. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> it was because I, I mean, I'm telling you, I was watching your videos in 2008. Then this is before I had the language. Yeah, because she didn't. J- Jenny didn't come out until two thousand ten. Yeah. You, you, yours existed around because I remember Noah's Ark. I would be sneaking, at, um, late at night when my mom would go to bed, watching Noah's Ark, mm. watching your videos. Who else videos? There was another person that was in the military that would watch that was starting their journey of transitioning, mm. and I would just be watching, just trying to see what conversation is. This is because I didn't have that. I didn't know if I went to the library what book to ask for. So. It was like, thank God for YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and so now I would say she rose. I'm going to name the folks that I have access to. Um, Asia Lyon. She's one of like my sister, um, close friend of mine. She, and why she's a Shiro? Because she holds space, right? A Shiro is not just for someone doing stuff for folks, but someone that's like intimately connected to that can see me. Like, no, you're not okay today. Mm. Take off your badge. Take off your armor. Relax, right? Right. Um, I love. I love a lot of um, like Ashley Lodge Hunter. Um, I love uh, Brianna. I love Erin Lang. Again, I love you. I love Dean. Um, who else? I love Elle Hearns. I love Octavia. Um. Who else has come to my head? Um, so many. Vanessa, Victoria. Like, simply just because of their being. Right? Because, like, it's like the trans community is a microscopic of the world. And so the shiro that I experienced for them is that them having the audacity to simply just be who they are. Like, I'm still fucking here. And yes, I'm working a nine to five. And yes and some of us have to sex work and yes and what still trying to make a way while advocating with a cape on mm-hmm. and yeah because everybody you name we have a tendency to tell the truth yeah we have a you yeah. know a particular, a particular political yep. analysis that's kind of very direct and very like we see through this bullshit y'all trying to sell us right, and it's not okay yeah you're not gonna give it to and us and so for me why my sheroes isn't that because as as growing up in the Caribbean, there are certain things that we are conditioned to not ruffle feathers sometimes, mm-hmm. particularly when you're coming to this country. It's like, just get what you can. And so for me, being able to witness the, oh, we're not going to take this crumbs was giving me permission to do the same. Mm, yeah. And, and and being able to see that I was getting crumbs because I didn't even know I was getting crumbs. Yeah. It wasn't even recognizing that i was so in gratitude an attitude of gratitude that i wasn't realizing that i was at gratitude for something that i already was supposed to have right i was already supposed to have access to that yeah and so hearing hearing it from a different ear of like 
this is painful versus gratitude. This is painful that we're just getting this and and what we get is not even enough. Had me really sit with the scarcity that exists in the world that creates greed, right? That folks, particularly white folks, (laughs) white cis folks who have enough want more and often the more that they get is that they take from folks of color. Mm. And then starting using history and looking back at history like, oh, this shit was already in my textbook. They just never taught it that way. Education was an indoctrinating way for me to learn through a white savior complex. It wasn't about me feeling affirmed and uplifted and liberated. Right. So everything that I had learned, the attitude of gratitude was that it was taught for me to be that way. Yeah. And so it was in those moments of being around Dr. Lawrence Ashley Hunter and being around you and and being at these visuals and hearing the hurt and the pain where I literally can feel ancestor come into place and be like, this is the work that is required in this moment. Right. That we often forget that, yes, you may have been free, but you are still bonded in so many different ways. Right. Can you even say your root? Who are you? Who 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 are your ancestors? Who are your lineage to? Who do you belong to? What is the actual language? Sometimes when I'm struggling with English, where I'm like, "Yep, that's the answer to saying that this is not your language, boo." <laughs> English is not your language. I probably will pr- probably be have a a click in my tongue or something, mm-hmm. you know. So like, I think about those things. I think about my heroes who I see when they authentically show up in this place with the twang in their voices and they're communicating like, oh, you acting like you don't understand what I'm saying, right? Where, where white folks like, that's not grammatically incorrect. No, she's saying what she's saying. You understand it. You understand it. But you and that's understand. the point of language for you to understand it. For you to understand you get it. it. Right, and so those yeah. are the moments where I find liberation of just seeing my sister's yeah. life. And for me, because I don't want to just focus on po- finding liberation in folks' pain and showing up in, in, in trauma to, right. to, to have a word Tito every day T- right, right, right. <laughs> but what I love is like when I see us actually twerking and being at parties and celebrating where we have to mm-hmm. literally create queer spaces where we're like only black queer folks is going to be in this space right because we don't have any other place where we can just mentally decompress right you step outside you're like I gotta dodge white bullets and when you go in a white queer space where you're working it's like you gotta work on outshells and so I love when I see my queer folks like nah I'm, I don't I don't work I'm, I'm, I'm unemployed because I can't deal with that complex mm. yeah clear period yeah. I love it That's those are my sheroes yeah I know life is tough as hell but they're like I would rather be free like not fucking with that <laughs> yeah for yeah. me, I'm like, no, see, I like security. <laughs> I have an apartment. I want to hold on to it. So I'm going to ruffle feathers while I'm there. Mm-hmm. But is that really working? And so I go in this daily, okay, what can I do? All right, so I'm not ruffling feathers here. But what I can do is use the tools that they're giving me to become a consultant independently and get access to those and take what I need and then bring my own revenue and bring my own right. empire so that I can then hire my girls. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I want to thank you thank for you. doing the show and <laughs> I, I love I, every time I'm around you, you're such a happy spirit and like you said, I'm, I'm one of those people who like authenticity. I like people who it's not just Tremo. You, I like people who are fun, who know how to be black and yeah. love it and sit in it and soak 
up blackness and and just be it and we when we first met it was like we it was had been knowing like we had been knowing each other forever like it was no kind of you know it was soon as we connecting so, yeah. that's just what it was mm-hmm. and so you know i love meeting people like that and i love people who have that kind of um um what's the word um acquired taste for mm-hmm. for that kind of concentrated joy black joy black joy yeah you see what i'm saying that yeah. kind of concentration and, and it's so concentrated in us that even in spaces where it's not us or for us we still going to create it once we come together Mm -hmm. and you know i love spaces like that and i love people like that so that's why one of the reasons why why i wanted you to come on the show and be a part of it and i share with my folks you know you you know because especially when i when we were talking about like the malik yoba situation yeah you being on mm -hmm. breakfast club and you know you being somebody in that space when i saw it i was like oh at least they have one person Mm -hmm. that i know know. Mm -hmm. who is gonna really come and bring it and even though you know people are over talking you and blah 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 blah, i still want to say that i'm i was so proud of you in that moment because even with the little space Cause you know a lot of you know the sadly part when you asked me what my 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 biggest com- accomplishments was was that it was sad because I'm like the world sees my biggest accomplishment as that what and hear me no I can see how they can be silly like that it's, but. it's like the dumbest shit but yeah like, why did it take that moment for folks to see me mm. yeah can you believe me being in a space that's not for us. <laughs> where the conversation is d- dominated by folks but because it's such a uh, black as fuck network that talks mm-hmm. crap about our community and doesn't recognize the black like the intersection identity of blackness and queerness and how that contributes to our liberation that we currently have right now mm-hmm. right how that moment of me saying yes that still to this day trans community experience harm how the world cis people <laughs> Mm-hmm. And many, I will say, many trans folks find liberation, and gay folks was like, "Wow, you were so brave! Like you, like was great." However, I will say there are a lot of trans folks that are like, "No, that wasn't it. That wasn't it," which I recognize. Mm-hmm. But for many folks, it's like I'm seen because of that, mm. and it's like mm, that that was not that's not what I did it for. Right. That 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 moment for me wasn't about being on there for one cloud or gaining access it was that if i was able to control a narrative around love because going back to like the relationship that we have around love is with our parents Mm -hmm. first and so this moment of what's about to birth uh, finally a black man because we know black men be loving us for days but finally someone who's deemed as a celebrity is about to i'm like you're not about to fuck this up for us like I want you to recognize that it's not about you being attracted what we're looking for is empathy and love and compassion and folks to hold space where we're not the nightlife enjoyment right it's not about attraction and and I think you know just my critique of the situation was that I didn't feel like a gay man should have been there at all that's number one period period um and and then he, 
later on he proved me right because me and him got into it when he was sharing the flame video and promoting her shit like it was cute like right. like you know I and this reached exactly out to david to have a conversation it hasn't they hasn't gotten back they, they were taking some time off uh, right yeah but i wanted to hope because i know brianna had reached out to me and yeah like, she was like what's up with your friend i'm like what happened yeah like, yeah i was like wow and so i went he had blocked brianna and i went and called him out and i was like this is exactly why i knew that you you don't have the analysis that you need the awareness the right. awareness that you need to even be in that space talking about our shit first of all you're not a trans woman so you shouldn't have been there anyway but um you know, I understand that maybe you may got to connect it to Charlemagne and this is your moment. And then I'm on Breakfast Club. Some people think like, oh, let me be in this spot. Hey, I, I get say, it. I will say when it came to that moment, because um, I, I always said like when folks ask us, like the conversation was going to happen regardless if I was there. That's the sad point. Yeah. There, there, there was for, for the produce. There was no intentions of having me actually. The, the, the real focus was Malik. Right, of right. course, yeah. I was a shoe in the afterthought. Although that is not being said or being recognized, but the reality is how the interview showed up and presented is that right. that's what the experience was. Carmen Carrera would have been there regardless because that she came with Malik. Right. So they would have been there. Exactly. Already. Right. Set, planned. Yes. There was no intentionality or no follow-up. It was like, how do we center trans voices? Right. The intention wasn't there, but then right. you have Flame Monroe. It's like this was this is all intention. Like I'm only saying thing that us as community know. Yeah, right? Breakfast Club is just if they if they ain't shit. You know yeah, they yeah. they ain't about to really do some stuff where they're like, oh, we're creating a conversation about how we all get to be free, where our freeness is not about oppressing another group. Right, just because we don't understand, and then you don't understand why people are calling you, you know, anti-black, and like, like you don't understand. Just because your audience is predominantly black right. doesn't mean that that predominance is not conservative black who have roots in white supremacy and that kind of and oppression. Again, and has had education that yeah. indoctrinate them to be a white supremacist or, yes. or not let me I'll take or upholding white supremacy right right we don't recognize that like if you're not willing to do the work of learning your own your own heritage your own knowledge and then you have folks who are doing that out of our, our forms of being oppression because we have to learn who we are as trans people but also right. understand our history of how we got here right and understanding that in every movement of liberation, particularly for black as a whole, the mm -hmm. larger community, there has always been a queer person in the movement supporting because queer folks recognize that race was first before right. anything. Right. Race has always been first. Right. Thinking about what we talked started talking about the Liz um, Montague. Uh, Montgomery. Mo yeah. Montgomery. Yeah. She was clear that she couldn't transition until she had freedom. Yeah. So the reality is the conversation that we're having now is because we're able to finally have the and. We're not right. just black. We're not right. just uh, uh, descendants of slavery. Right. We're, we're and now. We get to have an and. Right. Yeah. We had to get to humanity, humanity. and then get Either. to black. And now we got the and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So yeah. and then y'all and what you said earlier 
y'all don't understand mm-hmm. that when we come in this space, it's almost like this we're this minority right. that is teaching you something. Right, right. But you're not understanding the impact that we have on yeah. your freedom right now. The impact that why you are able to be in this space right now, what our puzzle pieces were a part of creating this space for you right and because you don't know your history you don't know Bayard you don't know you don't um, really know what's been taught in school. what's been taught in school so you don't understand that we have played a part in your freedom right now even to this day when we talk about Black Lives Matter when we talk about the queer people who have pushed this narrative this 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 narrative to get it to this high point that is in is now right. in regard because you know it's continuing from back in the day right. it's just a high point and how queer people have have when we talk about um Charlene Crothers when we t- in in uh, in Chicago mm-hmm. um when we talk about um all the work that Arya Said is doing yeah. in um San Francisco when we talk about um yeah. um Jenna Mock and um um Teak Milan and um Dr. Courtney Ziegler when we talk about all these people um Tracy Major so many so people many that have established some things Mm -hmm. that play a part. Are they the only part? No, but we have been a collective working towards something that gave you your freedom. Mm -hmm. And if you are ignoring our contributions, you're white supremacist in blackface Mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're saying that we only take this part, but we won't take the rest. Yeah. Which white folks have been doing that for the longest, for the longest. Mm. It, there's an African pro- proverb about the, the lion. You know about that? Yeah. Yeah. I often think about that. Yeah, often. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're going to always tell a story a different way. Right. Because they're the hunter. The hu- Exactly. Yeah. They're going to always... You're the hunter. You're going to... It's going to be... I was, talk, I was thinking about... Ruth. Okay. We might be going in a, a different <laughs> direction. But think about that. So think about um, Ruth, Naomi, and Orpah. Mm-hmm. Do you know that story in the Bible? So Ruth, um, so Naomi was from Judah. Yeah. And, you know, Ruth ended up marrying Naomi's son, Orpah yes. ended up and they went through this whole famine and Naomi's husband died. Yeah. Her two sons died. So now all I have is my daughter-in-laws and I have to go back home. Mm-hmm. And my daughters, my do- I tell my daughter-in-laws that, yo, you need to go back to your family because your husbands have died. Yep. You need to go back to your family. And at this time, patriarchy was so heavy, heavy. Mm-hmm. that... Uh, any viability that a woman could have come through her husband or come through her father. Right. And so Ruth was like, no, no, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to be loyal to you. But what people make it seem like it, the story, because a narrative, the intent to tell the yeah. story is to really give you the history of David. Because yeah. she was his great grandmother. Ruth was his great grandmother. Right. She had to be a foreigner in order for him to bring the attention together yeah. on both sides of Israel. Right. Yeah. So the story of the Bible is telling it through men in power Howard. and war. You are not getting the women perspective you're not getting her perspective this was not a choice like Mm -hmm. uh, this was strategic I know I can go with Naomi and go to Judah 
and be instead of being in his family because if I go with my dad yeah. after I already married somebody who I wasn't supposed to marry I'm gonna be it's just gonna be crazy and oppressive and da 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 this is a conscious choice because I know if I go to Judah Mm-hmm. With Naomi, her family is there, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I have a little bit of access to a little bit more right. than if I stay in mold. Right? You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's what I mean. So they, the men in power and da da da, is telling the hunter, but we're not talking about these people and really e- examining what that's they right. went through, examining what what their right now we only place was the way the bite. You know, it's I'm so grateful to have a pastor that recognizes that although we do have the bible and the disciples right yeah that the disciples never stop there that the story continues as as right now right we for folks who believe in christ Mm -hmm. right we are disciples of christ yeah each of the disciples had a shortcoming fell short probably one of them didn't though i forgot the one that like actually listened and asked to Mm -hmm. ask for i forgot um was it paul I think it was Paul. It was Paul who didn't have like really much wrongdoing. Right? But all of them had some type of shortcoming. What if after we continue the story and discipleships, right? When you look at all these faith and, and belief, it teaches us about the stories of back then. That's there was the history it was mm-hmm. a history recording. Yeah. But it was only through one lens. Yeah, the and hunt, so the, the the folk who had to assist by law to be able to tell the story. To tell the story, there's the so many. The land. And when we talk about the analysis now, mm-hmm. and how deep we got to go in that, and there's people on the you know that are in more power, in more privilege, who are totally ignoring pieces of the puzzle that would not that would make so much of a difference if it was not there that is intentionally set up that way exactly and yeah. so there's so many things from back then that um and i said that just because right now somebody is going a hundred a thousand years from now yeah somebody is going to be telling our story Mm-hmm. And I want y'all to understand to be looking at the people and the things and um, why I do what I do, why I share the narratives that I share on platforms that I create, that I have the, the ability and power to curate. I want you to meet people who are on the ground doing the work and they know none of us are perfect, but we are navigating this this space yeah. in a way to create something. Yeah. And, it, and it has ripple effects. You you said you watched me when I in 2008. Yeah. There's so many people who tell me that, mm-hmm. and so to see you be, become this leader, yeah. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. We all are, and, and somebody is watching you now. Mm. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it and our work has these ripple effects that create movements that gives um, vibration and tempo and and sustenance to even people above us in privilege. So cis folks, all these things. And we see that with with black women when it comes like Fannie Lou Hamer, when it comes to Ella Baker. Right. And they made this, there's so many people that they inspire to create things right now that we are enjoying, mm-hmm. that black men it's are enjoying. That it's the, that's yeah. the legacy that we have. And you don't know where those ripples go. You don't know where those web how those strings have been pulled and pressure and and whatever it is we don't know yeah 
And sometimes we don't know each other. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like, you know what I'm saying? You don't know how, what you, that's why it's so important to be out here doing the work. It's so important to be visible. There's some moments when people, where you, you know, you just can't be visible and blah, 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 blah. But I think it's really important for you to talk to people, tell people why you love them. Tell people, tell people um, what they mean to you because you just don't know. um, And being your true self, those ripples can change the world. And even though they don't see it, people like people at Breakfast Club, people, whoever's in NAACP who just changed some policy, whoever, whatever, whoever's not the, whoever's in positions of power may not see it. Those people on the ground with you, those people in the, in the fight with you they see it and that's how we move shit yeah so thank you thank you thank you for being here and let's go get something to eat yeah (laughs) i'm ready for the seafood Well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We'll be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamond, S-T-Y-L-Z, at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Every little thing's going to be all right.